Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So we're in the series, It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, how, show of hands, how many people have ever seen the movie? You've watched the whole thing all the way through, right? It's on every Christmas season, okay? So you all have homework to go watch this movie because there's something so powerful about this movie. It's not just some black and white film that was like, oh, it's got happy feelies, right? So the, there's a man in it who uh, he start, he's got the world on the string. Starts off his life, he's in love, and, and then they, they jump a few years, and you see him, and he goes through one of the worst days of his life. Everything's falling apart. And he, he says, he tells himself, he believes the lie. He says, it would be better for me to have never been born at all. And he jumps, he's standing on a bridge getting ready to jump off because he wants to end it all, because he believes this lie. And so what ends up happening is this guardian angel, <laughs> God sends an angel his way to, to let him see what his life would be like if he had never been born at all. And at first he struggled to understand. He's like, oh, no, wait, wait, what, th this happened. What? And, and every time the angel says, well, because you were never there, this person never had this happen for them. Because you were never there, your children were never born. Because you were never there, all this stuff. And he begins to realize, wow, my life has had so much more of an impact on the world around me than I realize. And, and so your homework this, this when you're sitting at home and you got nothing to do, watch that movie and let God speak to, the, speak to you through it. And so, um, you know, because the reality is we have, we have the answer. We have the answer for the world. His name is Jesus. And so some of us, though, we need to be reminded of that fact that you have the answer. You need to remind your face. <laughs> remind your face right now that you have joy inside of you, that you have peace, that you have love. I'm looking through that crowd, and some of you are like, <sighs> I'm not going to smile because he said to smile. <laughs> Come on, we, you know, there's something about a smile that just, it is, it's inviting. People are curious when there's a genuine smile. They want to know, why are you smiling? You shouldn't be smiling. Um, so before I go any further, I just want to honor our amazing campus pastors, Pastor Matt and Loren. They... They always have a smile on their dial, and it's actually genuine. It's not fake. It's, it's sincere, and you guys are amazing. We're in such good hands uh, with your family coming out here, and this valley is never going to be the same because of what you guys have, have done. Um, so uh, how is it the two people experiencing the same thing can come away with totally different interpretations of the event. How's that people doing the same thing? You're at Disneyland and one, 
And another kid's like, so happy, right? And, and, and sometimes we're like those little kids in those situations where there, a situation that should be joyful, should be, and all of a sudden you come in with a gumpy grass. Uh, I don't, why do I have to come on Wednesday night? Uh. Why do they have to make men's prayer at 5.30 in the morning? If it wasn't at 5.30 in the morning, I'd go. But it's hard. It's, it, you know what? It is hard to get up that early in the morning. But that means it's probably good for you. If you only do what's easy, <laughs> if you only do what's easy, you're never going to grow. You say you want growth, but do you really want growth? 9 a.m. didn't get this, because 9 a.m. are early risers. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what. <laughs> so there's an internal choice taking place in those moments for, for people when the same situation is happening. One person's filled with joy and another person's not. And so I'm reminded, uh, God reminded me of a, a time when we, we were the children's pastors and when we were only three campuses, my wife and I, and, and we're sitting there and there's this new kid that comes and the, um, everybody's laughing, everybody's having fun, like the kids are just, just they're playing in joy and then this new kid is like, it stinks, why do I have to be here, like, just, and I pulled him aside and I said, hey, what's going on? He's like, I'm like, Every, you hear everybody else in there having fun? He's like, you could be having fun. He's, it's not my kind of fun. I don't like this. I don't want to be here. And, um, and I remember I just, I looked and I was like, you know that you're in charge of your own happiness. You are. If you're waiting for somebody else to make you happy, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you're waiting for a, a spouse or a significant other to complete you, you're never going to be complete. Our joy is not found in what somebody else can bring. It's found in ourselves. It's found in him. It's found in Jesus. And so um, we have to change our expectations that something else, something external is going to make us then happy. If I make this amount of money, then I'll be happy. If I, if I knock this much debt down, then I'll be happy. If I meet this type of person, then I'll be happy. It's a lie. It gets you waiting in a, in a mode where you're like, I, I, I'm not going to do anything because my happiness isn't here yet. When the reality is you can have it if you want it. Um, you know, I don't even like, the Bible actually doesn't mention happiness all that often. Depending on what version you're looking at, it's only a couple times. Because I think happiness, in reality, it's a fleeting feeling. It's a temporary thing. Like, you know, like, I drank Kool-Aid. This is making me happy, right? It's like, okay, but when, you're, when you <laughs> go to the bathroom and you're, <laughs> it's different colors, you're going to be like, oh, well, you shouldn't have drank that Kool-Aid. Um, uh, so, so it's when good happenings happen, right, that we feel good, we feel happy, right? But when, when bad happenings happen, all of a sudden we lose that happy feeling. So now we're, we're dependent. We're on these highs and lows. Like today, somebody said hi to me. I'm happy. Today, nobody said hi to me. I'm sad. 
And that's how we are sometimes. And it's like, we, the reality is, though, God wants to get us to a place where we're on a straight line. We're not, we're not, the winds and the waves don't determine how we're going to feel today. We tell ourselves, when I wake up, I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. We tell ourselves that I'm going to set the, the atmosphere at my workplace, in my family. This Christmas dinner is going to be a good time, right? Did you know that God cares more about your character than he does your happiness? That's why some of your prayers aren't getting answered. Some of your prayers aren't getting answered because you, that, you think that's what will make you now happy. Is if that situation changes, God's like, man, I don't, I don't care about your happiness. I care about that you have character. I care about that you're growing. I care about that you're, you're moving into something in a direction in your life where you're not going to be the same a day from now, two weeks from now, a year from now. If he just cared about his happiness, our happiness, then he would just be like a genie. Let me just give this to you. Here, just answered, 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 answered. And then it'd be like that Bruce Almighty clip where the world's gone chaos because everybody won the lottery and, and everybody's freaking out, right? Um, but the part of it is, is our, we're, we're, we're going up against our own culture that we live in, right? So... The, the, what is it? The de Declaration of Independence says that it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? We, sh we all, that's our God-given right. It's because we're going to pursue happiness. Whatever makes me happy, right? But whatever makes you happy is oftentimes going to take you down a path you don't want to go. Well, you end up, you think, ah, I'll be happy if I went to Vegas with no, no regrets, Right? You're not going to be happy. You're going to come away in debt. You're going to come away with maybe a disease. You're going to come away with something. What happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. Right? There's a lie that you can buy in that your ultimate goal is your happiness. And so um, I actually think that, like, we need to come to a place where we understand that it's not, not that, like the Declaration of Independence. So we have this independent nature in us. we got to do it all on our own, by our own bootstraps. We got up there. I climbed this mountain. Nobody helped me get there. It's antithesis to the kingdom. In actuality, we are utterly dependent on him. And the sooner we understand that, that it's not about this independence of what I can do, but my dependence on him to get me through each and every situation, you're going to be on a better path, I tell you, friend. <clears throat> so I'm suggesting that we change that motto, though, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm suggesting that we change that motto to the pursuit of joy. So joy is not based on the circumstances. Joy is not whether everything's going good or everything is going bad. Joy is not just this happy fleeting moment. Joy is a stable because it's found in him and him alone. So when you're experiencing a trial like Joseph where you're in a prison for doing nothing but doing the right thing, you can have joy. And people are going to be like, why are you smiling? You're in a prison. God has not answered your prayer yet. You should not be happy. 
But what? You have joy? And so, but joy doesn't just come naturally. Joy, you have to actually pursue it. You actually have to choose it. You have to actually engage to get that thing that you're, you're, you're wanting. So, um, we've got three choices that we can make to experience joy. And they're active choices. Because if you don't choose it by default, you will probably be swayed by whether it's high or low. Whether the situation benefits you or not. So the first thing we have to choose is we have to choose gratitude. Gratitude. We begin to look at the glass half full. We begin to look at what we're thankful for. What, what, what is it in my life that I can praise God for? Stop looking at what you don't have, what you're lacking, what you're missing. Start looking for what is going good, what God's doing, what you can put your, focus your attention on to what's good in your life. You know, Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So when we begin to focus on thing, these things, then we'll begin to experience more joy. When you begin to focus on what's right, you're going to attract more of that to your life. If you focus on what's negative, you're going to find more of it, I guarantee you. If you walk in the room and be like, oh... The lights are a little off today. Um, you know, Pastor John kind of squeaked at that one point during the song. <laughs> Nobody told Mr. Corey that a zipper was down. <clears throat> I'd tell you, Corey. You'd see me, I'd be like, zip it, zip it. You're all out there for the world to see. You don't want it. Don't bear that burden. Because, yeah, you know, there's some of you. It's like somebody's got some big chunk in their teeth. And you, you won't say nothing. You'll just let them go through the whole conversation. And you're thinking, somebody should say something. I'm not going to say anything. I'll be that friend for you. I'll tell you, you got the, you got the chunk, of te- chunk in your teeth. Hey, you might want to get that out. So, uh, it's been a few years now, but uh, in my 20s, early 20s, early 2000s, gosh, it's so long ago, it seems, um, I was at Bible school, and and in between breaks, Christmas breaks and summer breaks, there would oftentimes, there'd be these trips, missions trips, and so I... um, opportunity to go to India. I said, sign me up. I want to go. I want to experience the world. I want to experience something I've never been a part of. And so I got to go on this trip. And so we're getting the team together. We're doing these little huddles and we're like praying and we're learning songs in Tamil so that we can sing in the villages. And, and, um, I remember, and and I don't judge him for this, but my leader at one point, he kind of jokingly but like out of the mouth the heart speaks you know what I mean when people say it's sarcasm but it's like is that he looked at me and he was like you know India's gonna knock that smile off your face and I was just like okay (laughs) 
don't stop smiling right now. Just keep smiling. <laughs> and so India was hard. It, I'm not going to lie to you. It, it's so different than what we experience here in the U.S. And uh, it was so hot. I remember we were going into our, my room, and we opened it up, and I was like, it looked like a dungeon. <laughs> I was like, I'm scared. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, I'm telling my roommate, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how the girls are going to survive in here. And we go up to their room, and they had, like, the honeymoon suite, and it's like this palace flowing with, with uh, linens and veils. And I was like, oh, this is, we're in a dungeon. And, um, and I remember first walking into the bathroom, and I'm like, there's no toilet. Where's the toilet? And he's like, that hole in that porcelain hole in the ground, that's your toilet. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, <sighs> where's the toilet paper? There's no toilet paper. Um, but but here's the thing, though. It's actually ergonomically the best position for you to, to go. I'm just saying, maybe they're on to something. Um, but needless to say, we did pack our own toilet paper everywhere we went, just in case there was none where you were going. And so, um, I, but it was a life-changing experience, India. And the, <laughs> they, um, the, it's the only time in my life, though, I've ever been homesick. And... Uh, and, and the reality is that I love Indian food, but I didn't love Indian food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And so I was just like, I just want a burger. <laughs> I want to eat their God. <laughs> and so... I remember we're, we're heading home, and it's a long, it takes like three days. Like, I mean, we, had, we had fly out to Singapore, to Korea, to like all these places just to get home. It takes about three days to get home. And I remember it's the end of the trip, and we're, we're in the airport, and my leader, he's like clipping his toenails. <laughs> and he's, uh, and I'm like, that's weird. Um, and, he, and he looks and he's like, Scott, I want to apologize to you. I was like, for clipping your toenails in public? <laughs> um, he says, I need to apologize to you because I said that India would knock the smile off your face. And it didn't do that. And I'm sorry I ever said that to you. And I don't tell you guys that to, to toot my own horn or to, to brag. I'm look at me. I'm still smiling. <laughs> Lost all my teeth, but I'm so smiling. I tell you that, though, because there's something that when you catch it that's inside of you, when you understand true joy, it doesn't matter if you're going through the hardest experience you've ever gone through. It doesn't go, matter if you're going through your darkest night. When you catch that, they can't steal. They can't take that smile off your face. The second thing that we need to do is we need to choose contentment. Philippians 4, 11, 13 says, Now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everything and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Now this is Paul 
writing to the Philippians. This is Paul, who in the midnight hour is sitting in a prison, is worshiping, right? This is, this is a man that, that has experienced so much antithesis to happiness, but he can still worship and say things like this. That he's like, I'm not going to be swayed by what the world dictates in my life right now. I know I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He lives with me, and I can be content in that. So when we choose that contentment, we allow ourselves to be satisfied. Not satisfied in the circumstance, but satisfied in him. We stop comparing, and we begin to enter into a place of thankfulness. You know, have you ever, have you ever seen the people that are, they're not happy unless they're winning, right? People, they'd be like, well, if I was winning, then I'd be happy, right? And they're, and they, and here's the thing is, they're looking for an external circumstance and then they'll be happy, right? Because of it. Growing up a Detroit Lions fan, I had to get past that long time ago. I've, if I based my happiness on my Detroit Lions, although I think somebody's praying hard this season, so if that's you in this room, keep praying, because uh, God never answered my prayer on those Lions. But uh, or or somebody who you know somebody who else who uses the line. It's not it's not whether you win or lose, but it's whether you have fun, right? Shut up. Everybody knows that winning is a lot more fun than losing. But sometimes life chooses for you. You don't get to choose. Everybody would want to be on the winning side of the line, right? So I played soccer in high school. And, um, you know, we were the team that when everybody saw them coming up on the calendar, they said, yes, just chalk it off as a win. (laughs) We were bad. We were horrible. We couldn't, we, couldn't, we couldn't buy a win. You know what I mean? We, we tried paying the refs, and they said, what can I do? You, you, they keep putting goals in the net. I can't, nothing's going to change that. Here's your money back. And so we were horrible. Uh, but I oftentimes think that that was actually a good thing to begin to experience that in life. Because what it began to shift was it was like, if, if I'm going to allow winning this or losing this game to dictate this, I'm never going to be happy. If I'm going to allow the Lions win loss record dictate, I'm never going to be happy. Right. There has to come a place where you be like, you know what? I am content with doing my best trying my hardest. And that's actually what happened for me in that soccer season. It was my freshman year, I won MVP. And it's not because I was the best player out there or had the most skill. It was actually because I was just never gave up 110% every game. They, they pretty much, they put me on defense and they said, Scott, that's their best player, number 10, don't let him score. And that's, that was my sole goal. I didn't play zone defense, nothing. I just would make that guy's game a living nightmare. If only there was like 10 others of me to, to stop the other players from scoring, we maybe would have won a game. But um, losing will do some things to you. And it allow you to, to shift right what your perspective is, whether you're going to have joy or not. And so, you know, the, the prophet Justin Bieber once said... <clears throat> 
but the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's green where you water it. There's a lot of us are looking over at somebody else's grass or somebody's circumstance or somebody else's trip to Cabo, and we're thinking, well, if I had their job or their situation or their their parents, then I would, would have that nice green lawn over there. It's a lie. You don't know their circumstance. You don't know their situation. It's actually greener where you water it. What are, you, what are you planting? What are you seeding? What are you growing? What are you watering in your life right now that you can begin to see fruit from it? Point number three is we need to choose joy. You actively have to choose it. But what is that joy? Jesus is our joy. He is our source. He is our everything. And he's, his, our, his word teaches us he'll never leave us or forsake us. So, so when Jesus is your joy, you can be in a prison and still be happy. You can have nothing to your name but debts and still be happy and have joy because it's not based on your circumstance. It's based on your joy in him because he will never leave you or forsake you. We have to actively choose it, though. All these things, if you don't choose them, it automatically goes to the default. The default will be uh, uncontent. The default will, will criticize. The default will, will, will complain about everything that's going on in your life. The default doesn't choose Jesus to be your joy. It chooses the circumstance to dictate what's happening in your life. Psalm 139.8 says, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. How often in our life is that the first thing we seek? Or is it when we get into our prayer times, it just becomes our list of everything that we're believing for? everything we're asking for, everything we're praying for, that we never see something shift on because he isn't, he isn't the first. It's only when we seek him first that we begin to experience those other things as a byproduct. You know, I had also had a chance to go to Africa and spend three months there uh, on an internship, and that was amazing. And I, I saw some of the most happiest people that I've ever met in my entire life. And it, it messes with your head because you're like, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be happy. Like, you're poor. You're, 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 it's not, a, no, no. Like, here's, a, here's poor in America, and then here's you down here. Like, it's not even close. Our poor live like kings compared to some of these places in Africa, but yet they had the most joy in their hearts that I had ever seen. And I, I had to walk away from it. I'm like, hey, man, this just doesn't make sense. How is that possible? It's because their happiness was not built on their circumstance. Their happiness was in him. If, if being rich and famous brought you happiness, Hollywood would be an example of what that looks like, right? Everybody, in, they'd have the perfect marriages, the perfect friendships. Nobody would ever commit suicide, overdose on drugs, anything. What? Because they've got it all, right? 
They've got it all. But yet just this week was another example. Once again, there was a man uh, who was the the DJ for, for Ellen on her show. Wife and kids, great job. Fame, whatever you call it. Committed suicide. What? No, you've got it all, right? There's no amount of money that you can hit, no amount of, of, of fame you can ascertain that is going to bring you joy. You see it every week. You're like, man, it doesn't make sense. If I had that, I would be happy. No, you wouldn't. And it's time for you to realize that, man, there's only one true source of joy, and that's him. That's Jesus. See, the world can never take him away from you. He lives inside of you. He makes his home in you. He's speaking all the time. Are you listening? Or do you just rattle off your laundry list of prayers? And then, boom, I'm out the door, gotta go. He's wanting to speak. He's wanting to have that relationship with you. He's wanting not just to to be your genie. He's wanting to know you. He's wanting to let himself be known so that you can experience life to the fullest, so you can experience true and real joy. So right now we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up here. But actually, if everybody could bow your head and close your eyes, you know, there's some of you, and you're you're in this room, and you're you're saying, Pastor Scott, I I want to experience it, experience that joy. I've never experienced real joy. I've only experienced hardship. I've only experienced pain. I've only experienced everything but your saying. And I want to know this Jesus that you speak about. I want to know him. I want to invite him into my life. There's others of you in this room that you do have a relationship with Jesus. But he hasn't been your joy. You're like Peter looking at the wind and the waves and that's all you can focus on. Your circumstance and you can't get past it. And you tell yourself, it's like, man, when's the last time I actually sat and heard from God or spent time with him? It's been too long. I want that to change. So if that's you in this room today, you're one of those two people. I want you to do something brave. Nobody's looking around, but I want you to just lift your hand in the air. You say, I want Jesus. I want true joy. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. You're not alone. 
You're not alone. There's a whole bunch of people here that are cheering you on right now, that they're praying under their breath, believing for breakthrough in your life, that you would experience life and life to the fullest. I'm going to have everybody stand up right now. And we're going, to, we're going to all pray together. And, you know, I'm going to ask you guys, for those of you who raised your hand, I want you to do something brave. Because the risk of staying in your seat right now is that you stay exactly where you're at. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am cheering you on. I'm believing that this decision that you're making right now is one that will forever shift your life, your destiny, and what is going to happen in this world. So if that was you, I would just invite you to come right down to the front here. I want to pray with you. I can't reach all of you, but if you come down here to me, I can come down and I can meet with you and I can pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. If there, if you said, you know what, I, I wanted to raise my hand, but I didn't. I, there's still time. Come on down. You can even still do this from your seat. Oh, sweet so proud of you, so proud of you. But we're going to all pray this prayer together. And we're going we're gonna to pray it with you so you're not alone. Say, Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross, for washing me clean, forgiving me of my sins. I invite you into my heart, into my life. I make you the Lord of my life. Help me to choose what's best for, for me according to your word, according to your kingdom, not what's best for myself according to the world. This day, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.